Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the retirement and tax playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And to my left, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our retirement rescue game plan. Now, you may be asking yourself, what is that? Well, that is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. In that game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar that is entitled Taxes in Retirement. Now, you may ask yourself, how can I get my hands on that? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, go to the site, put in your information, And that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, that is warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net. All right. So um, what uh, we're uh, closing in uh, on the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's always good. Um, It always reminds me of how fast time, you know, basically flies. Um, you know, because, um, you know, we're already, it's basically fall. It is. It's coming up. It's going to be here very soon. And, um, you know, we're in the dog days of summer is what they call, um, I don't know why they call it the dog days of summer. Good Do you? question. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If we only had a way to figure out, mm-hmm. AKA the Google machine. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the show, we will know what the dog days of summer means. Um, I've said it a lot. Don't know what it means, but, uh, anyway, let's, <laughs> let's just get into some, uh, Money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. All right. Uh, so, did you find out what uh, what uh, the dog? You're gonna love or? this. Oh, it has to do with, with the Star System Sirius, which is a dog, uh, and something to do with astrology connected with heat, drought, so. Sudden thunderstorms, lethargy, fever, mad dogs, bad luck. Oh, boy. That's yeah. uh, what, according to Wikipedia. I'm sorry that I even asked there we go. Um, about that. Still now don't you know. really understand. It has to do with celestial bodies and things yes, of that nature. correct. Well, there you go. Now it all makes sense. Okay. Well, speaking of things making sense, let's talk uh, taxes. Let's talk uh, specifically the uh, the IRS here. So let's talk about the uh the IRS, uh, as far as the way that it, it looks and the way that it stands now um, at this current moment. So most of us know, um, you know, the IRS is uh, uh, from, you know, the unpleasant uh, task of, of filing taxes. And so the agency, it really, uh, the IRS, it processes more than 260 million tax returns and other related documents Basically each year, and currently it has an annual budget of about uh, fourteen billion dollars. Okay. And um, I don't know this, but they have eighty thousand full time staff members. Okay. Um, obviously that's you know obviously not not enough. 
Has not um, been enough. You know, and right now the IRS works on a lot of antiquated systems. Yes. Um, uh, from what I understand that they use technology dating back more than a half a century. Wow. 50 years old. Um, and uh, from what I was able to glean from um, these uh, the uh, the nerds, so to speak, they use a programming language called COBOL, okay. which very few coder, coders even know these days. No, um, no. I only know so, the other one. And <laughs> what, I, yeah. Iron, COBALT, iron, iron. Oh. silver, oh. copper, oh boy, that. aluminum, gold, Jeez. I can't name, I don't know. A programming Anyways. language? Anyway. Linux, Linux, that's a program. There you go, language. there you go. But, um, and of course the IRS, it, it, it communicates with uh, uh, most taxpayers via mail or fax machine. Yes. Not email. No. Snail mail. Yes. Or fax, so you know that they're outdated. Um, and really the, the IRS's budget, um, it has been cut about 20% uh, since 2010, which makes it hard for the agency to, one, um, help uh, Americans file their taxes, really because it's answered fewer than one in 10 calls for help during this last tax season. So if you ever try to call the IRS, you know that they're, they've been underfunded and understaffed for, for, for a long, long time. And then the funding shortage, it also has made it difficult for the agency to collect what the government calls uh, taxes that people have not paid the tax gap, right? The difference between taxes owed and what taxes are paid. And that's about, um, and it's about, uh, they, they only collect about 80 to 85% of what is owed to them. So there's a big tax gap. Now, most of you know that there was a bill just passed. What was it called? The, the inflation reduction act, act yes. or the climate bill, whatever you want to yes. call it, but it had, um, um, a little stipulation there, a provision that provides, $80 billion in funding, uh, new funding for the IRS. And the new funding was going to help address some of those shortcomings uh, by uh, letting the agency uh, update its, its systems, of course, hire more people. Um, uh, they plan, actually plan to recruit about 87,000 employees. Yes. That's a lot. That um, is a lot. Now, many of these you know, employees, are, I mean, I'm sure people are retiring. So many of these, yes. these hires are going to fill jobs that, are, uh, that, that people are leaving behind. And it's over 10 years, 87,000 oh, right. employees over the and next that, 10 years. And that 80 billion is over the next yes. 10 years too, mm -hmm. right? So there you go. Um, and so, you know, its workforce is going to expand. So it has uh, more opportunities to do more audits, more processing, and, uh, you know, provide at least some sort of service. Um, I don't know if it's the best customer service whenever you call a government agency, but it will be some sort of service. So, all right. So, um, you know, this has, you know, perked up a lot of people's ears, um, depending on actually on, on both sides of the aisle, so to speak. But really what, what the additional resources is going to be able to do is going to allow the IRS to crack down on people and businesses who don't pay the taxes that they owe. And so the question is um, who the agency is going to focus on. Now, um, the current administration, the Biden administration has said that it's going to target rich tax cheats, right? And, or and they ordered the agency not to increase audits on people who make less than $400,000 a year or on small uh, businesses. Now, it's interesting because, um, you know, the audit rate, and, and, and um, I thought this was intriguing, the audit rate for Americans making $5 million or more 
Mm-hmm. It dropped to 2% in 2020 compared to 16% in 2010. And if you remember uh, what I said earlier, that Congress had cut the IRS's budget 20 percent, 20% since when? 2010. Okay. Hmm. There we go. Yeah, coincidence? I think not. Correlation there. Yes, and so um, the current administration, they, um, you know, they do, um, they, they argue that this underfunding of the rich tax cheats, or mm-hmm. whatever they call them, um, it basically led uh, the IRS to obviously reduce the audits on those wealthy taxpayers. And um, it's interesting because I, I say that they cut the funding and it lowered the audit rate for uh, wealthy taxpayers, but the IRS still is trying to collect money. So they went over the, they went after the, the low hanging fruit, AKA uh, the middle class. Right. So, you know, when I say audits and, and a lot of people, when, when they think about audits, they think about, you know, the IRS coming and, and knock, knocking on your door Sometimes, you know, with, uh, well, very rarely, sometimes, you know, with, uh, with firearms and, and, and oh. ready to, to just go through everything. No, it doesn't really happen that okay. way. Um, we, we all know that it doesn't happen that way. But um, um, when I say audit, you can have what's called a correspondence audit. When they basically just send you that letter that says, hey, you did your taxes wrong. Uh, this is what you should owe. So pay us our money plus penalties and interest. So they do it that way. Or they also say, hey, hey, you claim this uh, child tax credit. Can you please send us documents that says that this child actually lives with you or is yours your child, right? And so those generally are focused uh, on uh, the poor and the uh, middle class, right? right? And mm-hmm. so um, what they want to do with the new bill is the new bill or the new money that's coming in to fund the IRS, it's aiming to close that gap between um Really, they just want the wealthy to be audited more, right? And those low-hanging fruit audits that you brought up are typically easier. It's easier for that type of course, for those correspondence audits, or the success rate is probably fairly high uh, well, from the IRS's standpoint. Yeah, get that because, letter. Right. Most people get that letter. They're like, oops, I did forget to add this W-2. Let me pay the, you know, let me pay the rest of this income. Or sometimes, or, even if they have a claim that they... that. It doesn't matter. When they get a right. letter from the IRS, they think the it's, IRS is correct. Mm, yes. And a lot of times they might not be correct. Right. But we'll see. And, and of course, the agency, uh, the IRS, I call it the agency. Mm-hmm. The IRS has, a, they do have a good reason to, to focus on the wealthy um, because they do really account for the largest share of unpaid taxes, around $600 billion. That's what the B. Here's a caveat. Here's what I want to talk about real quick uh, before we wrap up the, the segment. Just like you're kind of saying, enforcement against the rich and wealthy people, it's more difficult. The cases are more complex. They involve much more money and then sophisticated financial instruments. And rich people, they are also likely to hire these tax attorneys, these elite attorneys, and fight these investigations and so that creates these hurdles for um, or, or trying to investigate uh, the rich. And when the IRS, you know, they may run into some of these issues with litigation and uh, dealing with all these uh, elite uh, attorneys that, that, that the rich has have, uh, have employed. What are they going to probably start to do? Turn their attention and focus on the easier targets like low 
or middle income taxpayers, right? And so that's something that has been thrown out there and it gets people a little bit nervous. Um, and then, of course, uh, who else? Maybe some small businesses, right? They could, they, they, the IRS could then target some small businesses because they make up a large portion of that tax gap. And that is, if you hear any strife and uh, back and forth uh, between um, whatever parties, it, it, it's basically, you know, because I think this, I think it is this, this catch 22 where, you know, although the Biden administration says that they insist that they're not going to go after lower income or lower middle income uh, taxpayers or small businesses, um, you know, it's one of those things where it is true. Hey, when you start to go after uh, the rich, they do have more resources, uh, uh, better attorneys, um, these complex financial instruments, and uh, you know they they will run up against a lot of resistance. And the key is that if they continue to run up against that resistance, that they don't just turn and say, okay, well, let's just go back to taxing the middle class and these small businesses. And that's what, um, you know, you really have to uh, keep an eye on. You know, I'm thinking that if, if they're able to hire the right people and really have a concerted effort of what they're trying to do, um, you know, I think overall um, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's a long, it's going to be a long process. We're talking over 10 years. So we'll see what we'll be doing here in well, there's, three or four. There's already, it's already tough to hire people anyway, right? Most businesses are already finding it difficult to find good quality employees. Yeah. So and who wants to work for the IRS? Uh, they're up they for paying yeah. some And like you said, if they're, they're going to be dealing with some more complex cases, there is a, a retiring workforce in the IRS that is going to retire out of service over the next 10 years, which is why they're trying to make up for it. But if you're making up for it with new revenue agents who Who need training, wet behind the ears, they're not, there might not be trained enough or to focus on some of those complex cases. So then we're going to run into the same IRS. Just there we go. Now they'll be using hopefully uh, something called email. Oh, what's that? That helps, right? Versus snail mail That's and right. fax machines. It's, it's, That's they, ridiculous. They the are fax ta- machines are ridiculous. They are test ta- ta- testing, testing. They're testing a email service. So they might, there might hey, maybe sometime over the next the ten years, there yes. might be an electronic way to communicate with the IRS. Perhaps not yet, though. Not yet. If you receive an email right now from the IRS, it's not real. That's true. Don't that, believe it. That is true. All right. There's probably going to be more to come on this, but uh, coming up next, uh, let's dive into. Uh, some debt forgiveness. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Okay. Here we go. So, uh, this is, um, Footloose, right? That's right. Yeah, Footloose. Song is called Footloose. Song is called Footloose. From the movie Footloose. You know, this song came out in uh, 1984. Okay. Yes. Um, number one in the U.S. Oh, okay. Number six in the uh, U.K. Okay. okay. It's a big song. Yeah. You know? Have you seen Footloose? No. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon's been Jennifer in a lot Gray, of stuff. Right? No, that's Dirty Dancing. Oh, gosh. same thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, anyway. I haven't seen either of those movies. Uh, obviously, you can tell. <laughs> Way before your time. Yes. Anyway, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Uh, remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, warrenwealth.net. 
You will receive a retirement rescue game plan, which is a physical packet of information which will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk. You got to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net. All right, so, um, you know, we uh, oh, we really haven't done this um, uh, really segment in a while, um, you know, but I do really want to go over a uh, okay. yeah, hot topic that, uh, you know, is in the news a lot lately, and that is um, forgiveness, you know. It's Sunday. You know, a lot of people are taught about uh, forgiveness uh, right. in their various uh, churches and religions and Forgiveness is, is uh, you know, supposed to be good. You know, it takes the burden off of off of you and you're showing grace by forgiving things, right? There we go. Um, Biden was in the for forgiving mood um, recently um, when he announced the, uh, the student loan forgiveness plan, uh, which, um, you know, really uh, helps uh, students, um, former students and even current students. Um, were they able to uh, basically be forgiven of debt as much as uh, $20,000? And so really what I wanted to do is kind of explain um, the nuts and bolts of it, how it works, and uh, some of the questions that uh, you know, we've been asked, people have been asked, and you've seen on the, uh, the news, things of that nature. So, and uh, you, know, you can help me out with this if you have any uh, things you want to chime in with, D. Um, so... Um, basically, uh, I guess the question is who qualifies for the loan cancellation and the nuts and bolts of it is, um, if you're single and you earn under $125,000, you can qualify for $10,000 in debt cancellation. If you're married and you file your taxes jointly or head of household, you can qualify for uh, you qualify for income is under $250,000. And so, um, you know, it's meant to help out, you know, I, I guess people under that threshold, mm-hmm. I was going to say, um, you know, middle class folks, but that's, I don't know, 125, 250. There's really not a lot of uh, in, uh, households that, that, that make that much, but um, you know, it, it does forgive that, that $10,000. Now, if you've received a Pell grant and you meet those income requirements, then you can qualify for an extra Ten thousand uh, dollars in in cancellation, um, and by the way, only loans that have been dispersed by June thirtieth are eligible for um, that relief. So there you go. Um, and it doesn't matter. Uh, we we've had someone say they only have graduate school debt, um, and they did get a but they did get a Pell grant when they were um, in undergrad. Um, they would still be eligible for at least that that ten thousand. You know, basically the bottom line is if you have been to school, um, if you have, you know, received um, any kind of, of, of loans. By the way, parents are eligible, too. Okay. Um, that's a question that, uh, that we've been asked. Um, and, yes, if, if, if you're a parent who got, I think it's called the PLUS loan. Um, uh, let me look this up here. Federal parent. Yeah, federal parent PLUS loans. You are eligible, so that uh, that helps too. Uh, by the way, um, some people have asked, "Hey, if I did not finish, say I started at mm. a community college or I started at a univer- major university, um, but I never finished my degree, 
um, you know, like a, um, a Mark Zuckerberg or a or Bill Gates, although they don't qualify, they make, they make way too much money. Yeah, I think but they're you, over that income threshold. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, but if you didn't um, <clears throat> finish, uh, does that disqualify you? No, it does not. You can still get that loan uh, forgiveness. So um, uh, the bottom line is this. It, it, um, do you have to apply for uh, the student loan forgiveness or um, does it automatically happen? Um, uh, it really depends. Um, if you're already enrolled in some kind of income-driven um, repayment plan and you've submitted your most recent tax return to certify, all that stuff that if you're on that program, then you know what you've done. Um, you should not need to do anything else, but you should still keep an eye out for um, uh, any kind of guidance that, that you get from whoever's servicing that account. Um, and, you know, as this starts to, as more information comes in, if there's no, um, you know, legal recourse that, that comes from, um, I want to say legal recourse, if, if, if it, there's lawsuits trying to block this executive order, whatever it may be, um, but um, then everything should uh, go as planned. Um, you know, it's not, uh, the funds aren't ready, re- readily available now or the forgiveness isn't ready, readily available now, but it is coming down the pipe. So um, my question is, um, really, I'll just throw you in here, D. What, what do you think about this uh, loan forgiveness? Um, yeah. You know, I don't want to turn this into a political mm-hmm. discussion, just, just in general. I think one of the biggest um, things that this really just kind of, brings to the forefront, and maybe it is at the forefront for people who have student loans, is just how expensive it is to go to college, university, post-secondary education. We have a client who is about to retire um, in her um, late 60s, still has student loan debt that she's paying off. Yeah. and um, So that stuff can follow you well into retirement. Yeah, it, 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 it's not going away, um, you know, continues. I mean, you, you try to defer it. You might pay a little bit of it. You know, initially you get forbearances. You just, you know, put it off for a little bit. But it, it, it sticks around, you know. It's like yeah. uh, like one mm-hmm. of those bad rashes sometimes that they just won't go away. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it is, you know, it, it is. Um, and it's so this, the forgiveness to me is just a temporary kind of Band-Aid on a much bigger problem. Right. Because, you know, it's it's a one-time, one-time thing that, it's going to impact a lot of people and it, it, I'm sure it will help a lot of people put money in their pockets that otherwise would have had to go to paying off those loans. But there, the, with long term, I don't really see what the impact is going to make because it just, you know, the underlying problem hasn't really been addressed. Yeah. And um, so a couple of things um, that you mentioned, one is, um, you know, the underlying problem just with uh, tuitions going up mm-hmm. the way the student loan program is and it's, you know, I don't want to say predatory in nature, but um, it really does put, um, you know, people in, uh, you know, a disadvantage, you know, m- you know m- moving forward the, the, the way that, um, you know, these loans are, you know, obviously uh, subsidized by, by the government. Um, the, the institutions can keep raising prices right. you know, and, and raising their, their, their tuition, you know, and they don't really have to worry about anything. Um, and then the bottom line is that not everybody goes to college Yeah, too. That's I mean, true. there's, yeah. there's that, there's that aspect of it. Not everybody goes to college. So there, you know, so there's, there's that, um, argument on that side, but more importantly, let, let, let's talk about, um, um, the tax implications from, from two standpoints. One is if your loan is forgiven, will you have to pay taxes on the canceled debt? The answer is no. Um, 
The second thing is let's talk about the bigger the bigger picture. Once again, uh, the government is giving out money, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's to corporations, uh, whether you know the bailouts back in two thousand and eight, where they're giving you know money to the corporations, or twenty twenty when or, they were giving money to corporations, or twenty twenty mm-hmm. when they're giving money to corporations, and then um, small businesses for you know the PPP things of that nature, or if it's um, pandemic relief, whatever it is, now the government is giving out more money, right? And we talk about our debts. We talk about our deficits and we talk about the fact that the only way to pay for a lot of those things down the line will be to raise taxes in the future Um, to bring this full circle into what we talk about all the time, which is retirement savings and retirement planning. Most people have their money saved in those retirement accounts that have never been taxed yet. And when are you taxed? You are taxed when you pull that money out. And unfortunately, you're subject to whatever tax rates are in the future. And as the government keeps spending money, whether you believe in what they're spending money on is right or what they're spending money on is wrong, the bottom line is they are uh, they continue to uh, run up the, the debt, right? And it's going to have to be paid sometime in the future. And most of the time, the way they're able to pay the debt is by just collecting more in taxes. And since most retirees, like I said, have their money and money have their money in accounts that haven't been taxed yet. You may be subject, and we work under the assumption that you are probably going to be subject to higher taxes in the future, simply because we have to pay off this debt and it cannot continue to go on. That is why tax planning is important. That's why taxes are one of the biggest expenses that you have in retirement. And that is why that you have to have a plan going into retirement so you can put more money in your pocket and less than Uncle Sam's. And that is what we do here at Warren Wealth Management. And that's why we talk about this stuff all the time. And one of the our value propositions um, is that, uh, of course, we uh, focus on investments and investment management. But on top of that, we know taxes. We're tax experts. So the left hand knows what the right hand is doing within the office. We don't have to shuffle you off to anybody else. And then there's miscommunications, things of that nature. We do it all in-house, which is beneficial to you. That's the way it is. So there you go. All right. um, Coming up next. Hey, we're talking about taxes. Let's keep this going. We'll uh, start off with a D's tax corner. You're listening to the Marcus Warren show. Who is this? Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is uh, Shakira. This is uh, Hips Don't Lie. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, song came out in 2006. Okay. Number one in the U.S. and the U.K. All right. Big song. Okay. It's not my favorite Shakira song, but it's all right. Yeah, this is her uh, biggest hit. There you go. All right, good old Shakira. Ooh. I feel like we're foreshadowing something, but who knows? Something in the future? Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net and that retirement rescue game plan is going to help you rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk. You got 
to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net. All right. Um, Like I said, there could have been some foreshadowing there, but uh, let's just go ahead and jump into some D's Tax Corner. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Or woman. All right. So for this week's Tax Corner, I really wanted to provide our listeners with some tips for what not to do when it comes to your taxes, because there I've come across a few recent tax cases that have gotten some celebrities in trouble with the tax authorities. And let's start with our Shakira, Shakira, Lady of Honor, Colombian pop singer Shakira, who is currently in trouble with the Spanish tax authorities. Spanish prosecutors have called uh, for more than eight years in prison for Ms. Shakira in a fine of about $24 million. Mm. Um, it's euros, but I've converted it to dollars for everybody, so we all understand yeah. what the fine is. Um, her legal woes began in 2018 when Spanish authorities accused her of evading taxes amounting to $15 million between 2012 and 2014, a three-year period during which she claimed she wasn't a Spanish resident. She didn't actually hey, live yeah, in that's Spain. Do. That's what she said. Um, before marrying the FC Barcelona player Gerard Piquet, who is a Spaniard, Shakira resided in the tax-favored Bahamas. Yeah, with the quotes, right? You got some quotes there. She, no, she lived there. She, you yeah, know, had well, a she had a, a residence well, there. Right. Listen, all of this is alleged. Uh, so, according <laughs> to Spanish tax authorities, she continued to claim that she lived in the Bahamas for tax purposes until 2015, which is when she officially switched her residency. However, the authorities claim that they have evidence that she lived there well before then, in that three-year period uh, preceding that. They basically followed her to places that she frequented, um, checked her social media accounts, of course, checked credit card receipts, uh, looked at, you know, her hairdresser, personal trainer, local school, where she was regularly yeah. regularly observed dropping her kids off. She did have a house in Spain as well during that time. And so prosecutors are moving ahead with uh, filing some of these criminal charges against her because she refused to uh, take a settlement deal that they had offered her er- earlier, yeah. saying that... Well, see, that's because she didn't do anything she, wrong. She's right. obviously saying that, you know what, this is uh, what I don't do. But, I, you know, I'll I tell you what. One is, um, uh, I didn't know this, but Shakira is, you know, her net worth is $350 million. Yeah. So, I mean, this $24 million is a big chunk. It is but, a big chunk. Uh, um, you know, she, if, that's, if that's what happens, she should I think be, the prison time is worse. She, she should be able to pay. Yeah, but that, that's always just... That's always just out there. Um, it's like when um, Messi, um, yes. who is the, um, another, the another Argentinian, mm-hmm. right? Yes, he's from Argentina, yes. And, um, you know, same types of charges. Yes. But he um, settled, basically, not settled, but he, he just he, paid the, he paid them. He did. And he so, I, you know, I don't yep. think, I, I think the salaciousness of the eight years makes it seem like, oh, gosh, yes. he might go there. Scary. Yeah, yes. but I don't think that that will happen. But, the biggest, the, the bigger thing is just you know how, how, the rich, whether you're a billionaire or a celebrity, you just have money, where you know it's that whole tax avoidance, yes, thing that or sometimes tax evasion, but tax avoidance where hey you know what, 
I am going to take up residency in the mm-hmm. Bahamas. Yes. So I don't have to pay right. these Spanish taxes or yes. even closer to home. I'm going to take up residency in Florida or Texas or Nevada where there's Tennessee. no, or, yeah, mm-hmm. or Tennessee, where there's no, um, you know, state tax, mm-hmm. you know, or, um, you know, I think Elon Musk just recently did that, right? Moved to Texas. You know, moved mm-hmm. to Texas and, you know, claims that. Uh, that's um, where he lives. Yeah. That's where he lives. And, you know, we all know it's for, for, for tax, for tax reasons. Yes. Um, you were just t- telling me er- earlier about Citadel, mm-hmm. um, Ken Griffin. Um, moving their whole headquarters from Chicago over to Florida. Um, you know, I don't know if it's strictly for taxes, but that's always seems to be an underlying factor and they say it's other things, but it's, it's always something else. And so she's, you know, whether you're a resident of the U S trying to, you know, put money offshore, but, um, you know, that is one of those things that, you know, actually legally you can do. If yes. you're on the up, up and up, yes, it's like those those Pandora papers that came out, or um, mm-hmm. Paradise or Pandora papers, whatever they were. I think they were both, um, where it talked about the rich and all the offshore accounts and all the things that they do to hide money, and you know, not to not pay taxes. And then, bam, here you are with uh, Shakira, Shakira. Yes, and if we bring it back back to uh, the rest of us who aren't Grammy uh, winning superstars, um, residency is important. Right. And, and there are ways, like you mentioned, to change your residency to a state that might not have um, state income tax to reduce your tax burden by a good, good amount. And you still generally have to report it because, you know, my I have two brothers and they both played overseas yes. basketball. Yes. And they actually live there because, you know, there's residency requirements. You have to live there, you know, a certain amount of days out of the yep. year. And they did, but they still had to file an income tax here. Mm-hmm. They still had to. Basically report how many days they lived in. They lived in Spain mm-hmm. and Croatia, Argentina, places like that. And so, um, you know, you, you you still have to file, at least, I don't know, Spanish law. Yes. But here you still have to file your taxes, even if you on end up. On your worldwide income. On your mm-hmm. worldwide income, even if you don't end up owing any money because they have foreign exclusions, foreign exemptions, things of that nature. But they do want to know. Yes. Yes. Where your money is and how much money you're making. Of course. Similarly, uh, for what we've seen maybe recently is workers who might travel, like traveling nurses, for example, who might travel across different states, or even if we think about athletes, athletes yes, yeah. who, who play in different states, have to report taxes in each state. Those tax returns are nightmares, but mm-hmm. they have to they have to report them in each state because each state wants, you know, a little piece of that money that gets made. Um, and then you just have to follow the residency laws. Um, different states have different rules. Some states like Indiana and Kentucky have reciprocity rules because they know that, you know, a lot of people might be living on the border, living in one state, working in the other. And so yep. they have reciprocity laws, um, to make things a little bit easier for people in those situations. But, um, you just have to kind of understand the rules when it comes to the states, uh, when it comes to countries, U S versus international, and then documentation, um, you know, document what, uh, that's huge. You're spending. Yeah. And you know, uh, you know, uh, what they have done, mm-hmm. they meaning the rich, mm-hmm. um, and what people try to do is they try to do what's called, um, like I said, tax avoidance. So what's, you know, she, she did may or may not be illegal. What, 
you know, the, the Paradise Papers, the Pandora Papers that talks about all these offshore accounts and residencies and where, and where people live and the loopholes that mm-hmm. the rich util, utilize buying jets or yachts mm-hmm. and all of that stuff that you can get these big uh, tax write-offs for. Of course, the carried interest loophole loophole that you talked about and it's still there, by the way, thanks to, uh, well, I'm not going to get political, yeah. but, um, <laughs> you know, it's out there and... Um, it's just tax avoidance and tax avoidance is legal. You know, being a, uh, basically, uh, an enrolled, uh, agent, right. A tax enrolled agent, meaning that I am federally licensed by the United States treasury, you know, to practice in all 50 States, meaning that if people have tax issues, tax problems, things of that nature, I'm able to represent them, you know, in front of uh, the IRS because I am well-versed and knowledgeable and educated in tax law, tax code, and tax theory. And being here in Louisville, uh, Kentucky, it uh, brings me to um, Justice Brandeis, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, he was a Supreme Court justice, Mm -hmm. um, you know, back back in the day, um, and of course now uh, L's Law School is yep. the Brandeis School of Law. Mm-hmm. But um, back in the day, you know, he basically, you know, shared, you know, some thoughts on, um, uh, you know, tax, uh, tax avoidance versus uh, tax uh, evasion. Mm-hmm. And he basically said that, you know, for, for a lack of better terms, that, you uh, you know, tax, uh, tax avoidance, you know, is, is legal. Um, tax evasion will, uh, get you, get you thrown in jail. And there are all sort of sections in the internal revenue code, which are designed to, um, take you across these toll bridges, right? Because justice Brandeis basically said that, Hey, um, there was a toll bridge. He lived in, uh, Virginia or DC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They worked in DC, lived in Virginia, Mm -hmm. but there were two bridges. And there was a bridge that took a toll and then there was a bridge that he could drive a mile up and just go over it and not pay the toll. Mm -hmm. He would choose to take the bridge that didn't have the toll, thus avoiding the basically tax toll bridge. And that is called tax avoidance is what he said. He said, now, if he if he would have just sped past and not paid the paid the toll on the bridge, that would have been tax evasion, which he he could be uh, arrested and that that's illegal but he chose to drive that extra mile and go across the bridge for free. Right. And that is what we look at when we look at the tax code. There are, um, uh, the, in the internal tax code is designed to take you across these toll bridges and the price of crossing that toll bridges is the tax, but there are also free bridges that are located within that tax code and allow you to legitimately avoid unnecessary taxes, right? And we actually call those green lights. So those red lights that will make you pay that tax, and there's green light that can, you can legitimate, legitimately avoid taxes. And the key is you have to know where to find them, and that is the key. So when you look at um, and you get upset with, say, a Elon Musk or um, – uh, these billionaires who Bezos, are Bezos, Buffett, who are basically avoiding Bates, taxes. Gates. It's okay, to, you know. It's it's okay to have your feelings, but understand that they are doing it legally. 
And until the tax code is fixed, rearranged, loopholes closed, whatever you want to call it, um, they're going to continue to do so because it is legal and it is above board. And, you, you know, on a, you know, much smaller scale, um, you know, because we don't really deal with a lot of billionaires here in our practice, but that's what we try to teach our clients and people we speak to about how to go across the free bridge and you don't always have to stop and pay the toll. But if you don't know those things, then you're selling yourself short by not knowing how to legally avoid the taxes like a lot of the rich and the billionaires do. So there you go. I took up all of your time, Dee, but thank yep. you for that mm-hmm. uh, tax corner. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Or woman. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about the perfect investment. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. This is a nice, smooth ditty. I know, Michael Jackson. Now, this song came out in 1979. Okay. Number one in the U.S. All right. Number seven in the U.K. Let's rock with you. It's good stuff. I like it. Smooth. You know, just makes you want to chill. You know what I mean? That's the way it's On a Sunday chill. morning. On a nice Sunday morning. Exactly. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you need to request your retirement rescue game plan. That is a physical packet of information delivered free of charge to your front door, which includes a copy of my two books, the tax playbook, and the retirement playbook, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net. All right. Y'all know what time it is. It's time to get into some news you can use. So major U.S. and Canadian pension funds are cutting back uh, investments in office buildings, betting that the prices will likely fall as the five-day office work week uh, is becoming potentially a thing of the past. Um, Retirement funds are still buying property uh, to reduce the impact of inflation, but it's mainly focused on investments uh, in warehouses, lab space, housing, and infrastructure like airports. Um, And of course, this is part of a bigger transition away from traditional real estate holdings in offices and shopping centers. We've seen those kind of all shut down. Um, I've seen a lot of open retail, um, you know, during the pandemic and of course, um, retail locations and then um, empty office spaces. Um, So Oxford Properties is uh, the real estate arm of about $90 billion worth of um, 
Ontario's Municipal Employees Retirement System said that over the next decade, their office space investment uh, will fall uh, to roughly 20%, down from 44% just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Same thing with North American Public Pension Fund saying that they estimate they're only going to hold an average of 8.7% in real estate, which is down from 23% just three years ago. Um, In-person work um, is increasing a little bit, um, of course, we're looking just back from the pandemic when everybody started working from home, um, but um, not uh, not back not back to pre-pandemic levels. No, and I don't think it. Um, you know, it's probably ever going to get up to pre-pandemic levels, at least any time. Um, you know, in the in the near future. You know, simply because um, you know people got comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, staying at home. There were a lot of companies that even found that, hey, you know, we can, we are able to um, trim some cost, uh, get rid of some office space, mm-hmm. um, and actually stay uh, more efficient uh, with um, our employees uh, working from home. Yes. Um, and now there are a lot of, there's a lot of tech and tools that's coming out that can monitor productivity from home. Yes. Um, that can, you know, monitor your keystrokes, see if you're actually at your... Um, you know, at your home office or, or your desk or in front of your computer doing what you're supposed to be doing. So as you see that, I think that um, as that as that gets better, and of course, you know, people just not wanting to be around other people, especially during the, you know, the mm-hmm. pandemic. And now yeah. people are still a little averse to that. I think we're going to see, um, you know, a decline in, in, in office space. I think uh, uh, people who own office buildings, have office buildings, or, um, you know, who, who own those, you know, those big, big buildings are going to have to be a little more, creative in the way that they draw um you know businesses out to take up that space because now it's like okay why do i need a thousand square feet as a business or thousand or ten thousand square feet as a business now all right we can trim this down to 7500 square feet yeah. you know a 25 percent uh, decrease which mm-hmm. is what you're, you're you're starting to see and then have people come in two or three two or three days share space whatever that may be mm-hmm. and you don't need it so you know i think that uh you know commercial real estate you know we'll see how it how it works out or how creative they get down the line and then try to increase these profits all right what else you got yep uh the u.s securities and exchange commission is looking into melvin capital uh their management risk controls um and investor disclosures after they were crippled last year by the meme stock frenzy um so the sec has contacted investors in the hedge fund in recent months as part of an investigation into what specifically the senior executives told investors in the wake of the rally, uh, the meme stock rally in January 2021. So who's who's so Melvin Capital is just like a hedge, hedge fund. fund. Mm-hmm. And they owned a, obviously had some sort of was that call GameStop on GameStop or Bed stock. Bath and yes, okay, yeah. So it was GameStop was last year, um, and um, they lost a lot of money for their investors. They actually lost 6.8 billion dollars, um, more than half of their assets under management. Um, as um, retail and other investors banded together to target their short positions in the GameStop stock. Um, The executives told their clients in virtual meetings that they plan to, of course, soldier on, and the firm had strengthened its risk management practices afterwards. Um, They had one of the top performing hedge funds until last year. Um, And then, of course, um, you know, they still took those high fees. Yeah, well... They're always taking fees. That, that, that's how um, Wall Street in general is, uh, especially the the fund managers, hedge fund, whoever. 
you know, they're always, you know, getting those fees regardless of, 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 of what's going on. Of course, they do, um, you know, want their funds to go up in value. And, you know, Melvin Capital, you know, they, they were just, uh, you know, one of the casualties of, you know, the Wall Street bets, the, you know, mm-hmm. um, the uh, meme stock uh, folks who, you know, were able to uh, at least, you know, target them. You know, the, the, the little man brought down, um, I guess, a, a big player, not the biggest player, but at least... You know, yeah, one of the big players. big players. Yeah, you know, but that's the way it goes. Six point eight billion—that's a lot of money. There you go. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you know, those the individual investors who tried to invest in those meme stocks—they uh, lost money too. I mean, that's the thing. There's only a few and that ever make the money. They lost a lot of and money and haven't too. and haven't learned from it either. We just saw Bed Bath and Beyond do the same thing. Yeah. Well, no one ever learns in, in, in investing. That that that's the bad thing. I mean, you know, you you, you think you do, but people have uh, amnesia when it comes. When, hey, when that greed kicks in, you know, people remember 2008, but once 2009, eight. I mean, sorry, 2009, 10, 11, 12. You get away from it, and the market starts going gangbusters. You're like, you know, screw being risk averse. I, I need to make some money. I'm gonna gamble that money, and then then that's what happens. And then we hit another uh, downturn, and then that's why people want to jump out. I mean, you know, m- most individual investors, or the average individual investor, they they underperform the market because they let those emotions get in the way, and they they basically they buy high. And they sell low. And it's, uh, you know, it's, of course, partly, it, it's mostly their fault. But then it, but then it's also uh, the media's fault. Because yeah. they only report when things are way up to facilitate the greed. Or they report when things are way down to facilitate the fear. And if that average individual investor is working $8 a day, they're not paying attention. They just happen to look up and see that everything's bad. They're going to want to get out. Or they look up and see that everything's great. And they get FOMO, fear, fear of missing out. And they want to get in. That's what gets them every time. Every time. So you'll see this every time. And so we'll have a story like this again here in about another six months. Yeah, probably will. There you go. All right, we got one more. Okay, Americans spent more time streaming than watching cable TV in July. This was a well, What's cable first. TV? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, streaming captured 34.8% of total U.S. TV viewing uh, during the month of July, while cable TV just attracted 34%. Um, Netflix, of course, was one of the most watched streaming services, bolstered by Stranger Things franchise. Um, they, let's see, other, uh, next one was Hulu, uh, which had um, only Hulu, Hulu. Yeah, uh, shows like Only Murders in the Building. Um, and uh, let's see, who else Hulu. we've got? <laughs> Um, uh, of course, Google, YouTube. We've got uh, Disney, Disney's Hulu, Amazon Prime. Um, yeah, top um, highest respective shares of U.S. viewing time in July, setting records. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what. If it wouldn't be cable news, is basically the cable news. Um, if it wouldn't be, I'm sorry. Um, cable in general is you know people have have really started to cut the cord. If it weren't for cable news and sports, live sports, yeah. I don't. I, I think that um, that traditional TV watching um, would be done because you know now you can stream and watch certain things. Although, although, do they consider? Actually, do they consider my YouTube TV? So I have YouTube TV. So mm-hmm. I don't have traditional cable. I have mm-hmm. YouTube TV, um, and I watch it 
And I watch that. And there yes. are, you know, so I have ESPN, I have Food Network, HGTV. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if, they, if that's cable or if it's that's like streaming. Hybrid. Yeah. It's like because a hybrid. if it is, then maybe it's both. Yeah. it won't be the same. Well, it's funny that you mentioned sports hmm. because some uh, some sports are trending towards streaming services. Major I mean, League Baseball, a- Apple TV, uh, football, uh, uh, going Amazon to Prime, Amazon Prime. Doing Thursday Night mm-hmm. Football. Yeah, I know that. So it's, I mean... You know, the, the, the tide is changing. Um, you know, I know that, uh, like I said, if it weren't for sports and cable news, um, you know, these this traditional TV watching would be dead. The dead, way of I the dodo you. bird. Dead. All right, dude, thanks for that uh, news you can use. And uh, if we left you with that, the listeners with that, uh, you probably would be satisfied. But no, you wouldn't. The reason you won't be satisfied, the reason you're not satisfied is because you want what you came here for, which is the news you can't use well i know you will love this story because the guinness world records said a chihuahua in florida named toby keith uh, was dubbed wait just no no play on words toby keith so just like the the country singer yes but, but that's his first name. The Chihuahua's first name is Toby Keith. Okay. Uh, dubbed the world's oldest dog at the age of 21 years and 66 days. Now, in dog years, which means he's just three? No, in human years. <laughs> so, uh, what's that? 21, 21 times, times seven. Three. Seven. No, seven years. Oh, mm-hmm. three. 21 times seven. Jeez, that's, I mean, in your head, that's, yes, uh, that's seven, a lot. Mm-hmm. 144 years. There we go. 47 years old. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's, uh, really... Yes, the owner said she adopted Toby Keith from a shelter when he was only a few months old. Um, he was originally named Peanut Butter, but uh, okay, we just I, renamed him. I was just about to say, I was going to say, wow, she named that dog Toby Keith 21 years ago. But before Toby Keith, well, was well, he was Toby. He's older than 21, but before he was a famous country singer. Toby Keith. Sure. So she renamed him after she must have fell in love with Toby Keith, a big fan or something, could be, right? That could be the case. Has to be. Toby Keith's biggest fan, yes. 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 I mean, I mean, why else would you name the dog? Chihuahuas Keith? typically live 12 to 18 years, so Mr. Toby Keith. Oh, has, just three extra years. Yeah. Oh, okay. In that's, dog years, that's, in dog years, that's a, a long lot. Time. Right. And then dog years. I wonder where they come up with dog years. We're going to have to get with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson mm-hmm. um, about the dog years. Yes. And I mean, does does their orbit spin a lot quick quicker than uh, the human orbit? And that's why they age. Well, humans or do they age? Don't orbit planets do and other right. objects. I'm just but saying. Um, it has to do with the time space continuum. Oh, geez. Okay, we're we're, we're uh, going out there. Well, thank you, Dee, <laughs> for that <laughs> uh, news. You can't use time-space continuum. Anyway, we know what that music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.